...between its international, regional, and domestic dimensions, a book intended for scholars but also accessible to a wider readership. This is the book I have set out to write. The task would prove formidable, due not only to the vastness of the research involved, but also to the radically controversial nature of Arab-Israeli politics. Great wars in history invariably become great wars of history, and the Arab-Israeli wars are no exception. For decades now, historians have been battling over the interpretation of those wars, beginning with the War of Independence, or the Palestine War of 1948, and progressing to the 1956 Suez Crisis. Most recently, a wave of revisionist writers, Israelis mostly, have sought to amplify Israel's guilt for those clashes and evince it in the debate over the borders or even the legitimacy of the Jewish state. That debate is now sharpening as historians begin to focus on 1967 and the conquest of Arab territories by Israel, some of which, the Golan, the West Bank, it still holds, and whose final disposition will affect the lives of millions. I, too, have been part of the debate and have my opinions. Yet in writing history, I view these preconceptions as obstacles to be overcome, rather than as convictions to confirm and indulge. Even if the truth can never fully be ascertained, I believe every effort must nevertheless be exerted in seeking it. And though the distance of over three decades affords invaluable historical perspectives, such viewpoints should never cloud our understanding of how the world appeared to the people of those tumultuous times. Employ hindsight, but humbly, remembering that life and death decisions are made by leaders in real time, and not by historians in retrospect. My purpose is not to prove the justness of one party or another in the war, or to assign culpability for starting it. I want simply to understand how an event as immensely influential as this war came about, to show the context from which it sprang, and the catalysts that precipitated it. I aspire to explore, using the 1967 example, the nature of international crises in general, and the manner in which human interaction can produce totally unforeseen, unintended results. Mostly I want to recreate the Middle East of the 1960s, to animate the extraordinary personalities that fashioned it, and to relive a period of history that profoundly impacts our own. Whether it is called the Six Day or the June War, my goal is that it never be seen the same way again. Jerusalem, 2002 Six Days of War The Context Arabs, Israelis, and the Great Powers, 1948-1966 to Nighttime December 31, 1964. A squad of Palestinian guerrillas crosses from Lebanon into northern Israel. Armed with Soviet-made explosives, their uniforms supplied by the Syrians, they advance toward their target, a pump for conveying Galilee water to the Negev desert. A modest objective, seemingly, yet the Palestinians' purpose is immense— Members of the militant Al-Fatah, meaning the Conquest, also a reverse acronym for the movement of the liberation of Palestine, they want to bring about the decisive showdown in the Middle East. Their action, they hope, 
will provoke an Israeli retaliation against one of its neighbouring countries, Lebanon itself or Jordan, igniting an all-Arab offensive to destroy the Zionist state. This al-Fatah's maiden operation ends in fiasco. First, the explosive charges fail to detonate. Then, exiting Israel, the guerrillas are arrested by Lebanese police. Nevertheless, the leader of al-Fatah, a 35-year-old former engineer from Gaza named Yasser Arafat, issues a victorious communique extolling the duty of jihad, holy war, and the dreams of revolutionary Arabs from the Atlantic Ocean to the Gulf. A singularly limber imagination would have been required that New Year's Eve night to conceive that this act of small-scale sabotage, even had it been successful, could have triggered a war involving masses of men and materiel, a war that would change the course of Middle Eastern history and, with it, much of the world's. Yet al-Fatah's operation contained many of the flashpoints that would set off precisely such a war in less than three years. There was, of course, the Palestinian dimension, a complex and volatile issue that plagued the Arab states as much as it did Israel. There was terror, and Syrian support for it, and Soviet support for Syria, and there was water. More than any other individual factor, the war would revolve around water. Yet, to claim that that first al-Fatah operation, or any one of its subsequent attacks, brought about a general Middle East war, would be far too simplistic and determinist. A beginning is an artifice, wrote Ian McEwan in his novel Enduring Love, and what recommends one over another is how much sense it makes of what follows. The observation certainly applies to history, where attempts to identify prime causes are often at best arbitrary, at worst futile. One could just as easily begin with early Zionist settlement in Palestine, or with British policy there after World War I, or with the rise of Arab nationalism, or with the Holocaust. The options are myriad and equally potentially valid. While it may be useless to try to pinpoint the cause or causes of the Middle East War of 1967, one can describe the context in which that war became possible. Much like the hypothetical butterfly that, flapping its wings, gives rise to currents that eventually generate a storm, so, too, might small, seemingly insignificant events spark processes leading ultimately to cataclysm. And just as that butterfly needs a certain context, the Earth's atmosphere, gravity, the laws of thermodynamics, to produce its tempest, so, too, did events prior to June 1967 require specific circumstances in order to precipitate war. The context was that of the Middle East in its post-colonial revolutionary period, a region torn by bitter internecine feuds, by superpower encroachment, and by the constant irritant of what had come to be known as the Arab-Israeli conflict. A Context Contrived even a discussion of a context must have a starting point, another arbitrary choice. Let us begin with Zionism, the Jewish people's movement to build an independent polity in their historical homeland. The introduction of Zionism into the maelstrom of Middle East politics galvanized what was already a highly unstable environment into a framework for regional war. Facile though it may sound, without Zionism there would have been no state of Israel, and without Israel no context of comprehensive conflict. 
What began as a mere idea in the mid-nineteenth century had, by the beginning of the twentieth, motivated thousands of European and Middle Eastern Jews to leave their homes and settle in unthinkably distant Palestine. The secret of Zionism lay in its wedding of modern nationalist notions to the Jewish people's mystical, millennial attachment to the land of Israel, Eretz Israel. That power sustained the Yishuv, or Jewish community, in Palestine throughout the depredations of Ottoman rule and during World War I, when many Jewish leaders were expelled as enemy, mostly Russian, aliens. By war's end, the British had supplanted the Turks in Palestine, and under the Balfour Declaration pledged to build a Jewish national home in the country. Under the British mandate, the Yishuv swelled with refugees from European anti-Semitism, first Polish, then German, and established social, economic, educational institutions that in a short time surpassed those furnished by Britain. By the 1940s, the Yishuv was a powerhouse in the making, dynamic, inventive, ideologically and politically pluralistic. Drawing on Western and Eastern European models, the Jews of Palestine created new vehicles for agrarian settlement, the communal kibbutz and cooperative moshav, a viable socialist economy with systems for national health, reforestation and infrastructure development, a respectable university and a symphony orchestra, and, to defend them all, an underground citizen's army, the Haganah. Though the British had steadily abandoned their support for a Jewish national home, that home was already a fact, an inchoate, burgeoning state. This was precisely what the Arabs of Palestine resented. Centuries established, representing the majority of the country's total population, the Palestinian Arabs regarded the Yishuv as a...